With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real. You're already working hard to earn your money. But how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Thursday, April 14th, and we are here to try to help you make better financial decisions. Would you like to get a little assistance with that? Both Mark and I are certified financial planners. Now, we don't do that. That's not like our main gig. I used to do that 100 years ago. Mark, for some reason, wanted to make himself crazy, so he got the certification, the accreditation. Uh, But, you know, we do it because I think that we like the idea of helping people on a holistic level. So if you would like some help, Mark and I would like to be the the helpers, the coaches, the people who are cheering you on. So if you'd like to come on the air with us, all you need to do is go to jillonmoney.com, click the contact us button. There's a little box that you check, you'd come on the air. Now, if you don't want to come on the air, it's okay too. We do email episodes so I can try, try to relieve Mark's former anxiety, you don't have it anymore, former anxiety of actually um, seeing the email inbox pile up. Mark, I got down to four emails over last weekend and now I'm just killed again. To see everything in such a small window, it's fabulous. Like, oh my gosh, that's it? Anyway, that's all gone. Long gone. Okay. So let's get to your questions. This is from Linda, who's asking about a Roth conversion. Linda writes, Hi, Jill. I'm 58 and I retired two years ago. I am considering a series of Roth conversions over the next five years or so. I'm currently in the 12% tax bracket, and I do anticipate that my future bracket will be 22% when I begin distributions from tax-deferred accounts. Which type of assets would be optimal for the conversion? Here's our choices. The tax-deferred IRA consists of fixed income, financial, healthcare, and industrial stocks, domestic, international, blah, blah, blah. And the assets in the Roth are more concentrated in tech, international, and REIT. Uh, This makes no difference to me. It makes no sense for me to worry about asset allocation types and how you do it. Take a little bit from everything. I presume you're in in an environment where, meaning a brokerage firm where you're not getting charged for this. It doesn't matter whether it's a exchange traded fund. It doesn't matter if it's an individual stock. It matters that you just do it and that you have 
the ability to pay the tax with money that's outside of retirement accounts. So, I mean, it's fine if you want to have the Roth be sort of more long-term growth stuff, but it doesn't matter. I say do it, try to stay into the 12%, but if you get to the 22%, uh, that's okay too. It's not the worst thing in the world. Just make sure that your allocation is overall what you want it to be. Get going, girl. Do it. Okay. Oh, look at this, Mark. New from someone named Erica, who's 18 years old and writing to us. Do you love that? Okay. This is what Erica writes. My mom always has your podcast playing in the car, so I'm becoming a fan. Yeah. An 18-year-old college student. She's finishing up her first year of school. Her parents are paying for college. Woot. And I live at home for now. I'll be home for two more years. And then she's going to attend NYU Dental School. Wow. Mm, that's going to be very expensive, I presume. And then she's going to live in the city. She says, my parents will be helping me out as much as they can. I think I might need a small student loan. They plan on paying for all of it. I'll work five hours a week at a dental office and I, she gets paid 18 bucks an hour. Doesn't seem like that much for a dental assistant. I use my own money for closed books and personal expenses. I've got $7,000 in savings, $3,200 in uh, savings bonds, double E bonds. And I would like to start investing some of my savings account, but I don't know which type of account I should open. I'd like to put $5,000 into some type of account so the money could start making money. Also, my savings bonds are starting to mature. Where can I invest that money? Or should I leave them for 10 more years and earn a little bit of interest? Well, Erica, here's the thing. You're going to have five hours a week at a dental office. Well, maybe let's open a Roth IRA for you, first of all, okay? And then you can put some money in there. But aren't you going to need money to live on? Like, I'm not clear about this whole what's what's out of her pocket and what's her parents. Are you, Mark? You know what I mean? Like, it's like she's paying. They're going to help. She might need a small student loan. Why get a loan if you can pay for it? First of all, I think if you cash out the savings bonds now and you use it for education, you get a preferable tax treatment on that. So maybe that's what I would do first before I get a loan. I don't know how much the money is. Here's the deal. Whatever you think you're going to need in the next year, don't invest. Otherwise, you can open a Roth IRA. You can do that at many different places. You can do that at T. Rowe Price or Vanguard or Schwab or Fidelity or TD Ameritrade. Um, you can do it wherever you would like to sort of land generally as a as an investor. Does And you should play around with it. Don't use Robinhood. I'm really like sort of, I don't know, constitutionally opposed to that company. And then you just pick a target date fund for way, way, way out. Like, you know, you're 18. So when, let's see, 60 years out, Mark? <laughs> How far out do target date funds go? I'm not sure. But anyway, okay, 2070, that's your fund. And um, and go from there, Erica. And if we've missed something, if I've missed something, of course, let me know. But again, anyone who's thinking uh, about this idea that I want to start investing, make sure that when you're starting to invest that you've got this idea that I don't need this money for anything else. Because if you need that money in the next two years or three years, I don't know how long dental school is, but I think it's a long time, then don't invest it. Okay. All right. On the other end of the spectrum, we've got Kara who writes, hi, Jill and Mark. I listen every morning and I love your show. Wouldn't it be nice if Kara said that and I didn't say that, Mark, so I didn't have to sound like I was a self-promoting person that I am? Oh, well. Okay. Here's what Kara says. She's turning 60 very shortly and needs help understanding why it shouldn't 
be a priority to have our mortgage paid off before we retire. Okay, here's the deal. They've got a 10-year fixed rate at 2.5%. They've got 194 grand left on their mortgage. The house is worth $3 million. Yowza. Um, and it's their largest monthly expense, about 2100 bucks a month. We don't have a lot saved in retirement, $1.2 million to generate that payment. Are we better to be done with it? My husband and I are both 60. Kids are done, no other debts. They make 250 grand a year and they're tired and they want to retire at age 65. It would give us peace of mind. We have an eight-month emergency fund, no other assets. What do you think about getting it paid off in the next four years? We continue to fund retirement accounts in the meantime. You know, Mark, sometimes I just, the math is not going to work on these people. This is what I think, right? Do you agree? I mean, I'm going to tell you that it's just, it's actually irresponsible. If I were, if I were saying, let me just give you what you should do. No, you shouldn't pay this debt off. You don't have that much money. So you need to build up your retirement income and you've got to be able to say that, you know, you can, you may be able to whittle it down five years from now. I don't understand why we are paying off a two and a half percent note. I really don't. You make 250 grand, you want to retire in five years, then build up your assets, not all retirement, maybe do some retirement and do some non-retirement asset saving as well. And then five years from now, let's see where you stand. But I don't know what your expenses are. I don't know what your social security is going to be. I mean, you're going to retire when you're 65. What are you doing between 65 and social security? Are you going to collect it early? There's a lot missing here. And so I get that you're tired and I get that you don't like debt, but what I don't get is how we're going to make you actually be able to afford to retire unless you give me some more information. I will explain more. How about this, Kara? Let me make a deal with you. You're going to hear this. I encourage you and your husband to come on the air with us so that we can talk through. Maybe you can pay it off, but given the facts that you've just given me, I don't think so. So I need more facts. Listen, I'm hopeful. Maybe, Mark, maybe they have, maybe they've got big pensions. Maybe that's something that's out there, right? But we don't know. And so you didn't give us quite enough information. I really would love to help make your dream a reality, (laughs) which I very often don't do. Okay, this is from Shirley. Hi, Jill and Mark. I love your show and especially like to listen to your advice on retirement. Okay, so Shirley's going to retire this spring and she's worried about how to manage their finances going forward. She and her husband both have pensions. Awesome. He will be applying for Social Security this year. She's going to hold off. She's 63. She says, what do I do with my 401k? That's a big question. He has an IRA. It's managed for a one and a quarter percent fee. And she says, I'd like to just roll over my 401k to Vanguard or something with low fees because I don't want to lose all the money in fees. But with the world in turmoil, I'm afraid to make a mistake in picking the wrong funds. What do you think? I am risk averse. If a person is too unsure, should they just go with a financial advisor? Good question. Let's see what they got. In addition to our pre-retirement accounts, 750 grand, they've got stocks about 50 grand they're going to sell. I know a robo-advisor will not give advice on when to sell the stock. Thank you for all you do. You guys are great. Well, I mean, first of all, we need. I need more sense. I need a better sense about the money here. Will your pensions and social security cover your expenses? And if that's the case, then I should think you should feel a lot more comfortable rolling into a robo, okay? And by the way, a lot of robos do give advice, They really do. Betterment or Vanguard or Schwab, they all have levels of service that also contain an advice 
portion. They're not going to say, oh, they're not going to time it. You've got 50 grand of stock that you're going to sell, then sell it, whatever. But I need to know from your perspectives, you know, what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And I don't think if in manager, if you're paying one and a quarter percent to a manager just for money management, you're paying too much. If the person's really helping you with financial planning, then you're paying an appropriate amount, maybe, depending on how much money you have. But overall, um, I don't think you should be scared to make a big mistake, but I do think that I'd like to know more about you. This is what I used to do when I was an investment advisor, which is there were these, at first we would just have these conversations with people where you'd just ask them the questions. Then you'd ask them to fill out the forms. And then you have forms and you pre-populate the forms. Here's what we need. But what we found was that people, of course, didn't do that. They just wanted to tell their stories, which is different when you're talking to an investment advisor, right? That's a very different kind of conversation. But that said, um, we'd love to help you. So please give us lots and lots of information. So you can do that by going to jillonmoney.com. You can click the Contact Us button. And we would be delighted for you to come on the air with us. We really would be. While you're on the website, sign up for the free weekly newsletter. It's fantastic. Mark drops it every single Friday. Don't forget, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and check out our other broadcasts. It's called Eye on Money. All right. Let us move on and remind you to please do something nice for someone else today. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 